welcome back to the pod crashed. Today we're telling the story of Aries flight 8250. Uh, in case you don't listen to the end, we are doing our hangout with Tim from FS Mania and Aaron from Mini Air Crash Investigation on June 5th, Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we would love to see you there. We're going to post the details on Instagram, uh, or you can email us and we'll email you the link. We're just going to do it on Zoom. It's going to be low-key, super fun, free, good time watching the King Air video with your friends. So hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, there it is. Here we are. We got there. We got there. We got there. Fucking tax day. Oh my gosh, tax day. <sighs> Eight taxes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Today, I wonder how jet fuel is taxed. Oh, you're right. I wonder. Because it's all regulated by the federal government, right? Like the aviation I stuff. so. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Someone knows. God. But today we're talking about uh, aries flight 8250 okay so uh aries is an airline that no longer exists it was a regional colombian airline uh that got absorbed into latam i think so they are no more and but they were a thing in 2010 which is when this story takes place so sadly Mm. No smoking on planes. No. Dun, not, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. not even in <laughs> Colombia. Damn. Damn. Which is where this takes place, by the way. Yes. So the 16th <laughs> of August, 2010, uh, the uh, plane is meant to fly from El Dorado, Bogota, which I love. I mean, El Dorado. El, El Dorado. Dorado. All That's day. the name of the Bogota airport <laughs> to uh, San Andreas, Colombia. And uh, so San Andreas is a Caribbean island, like a Colombian Caribbean island off the coast of Nicaragua. So it's just like a beautiful little island. So all these folks on this flight, most of them are going, you know, for vacation, right? Like go to a beautiful island. It's summertime. It's probably a billion degrees. So they want to go in the water. Right. So, yeah, uh, super quick flight, two hours there, you know, nothing crazy, you know, just like going from maybe what's here, here to Florida, maybe. Uh, so not yeah. anything, no biggie. Uh, the We're flying a 737 today. Uh, the plane is 11 years old, a, a mere teenager, mm-hmm. maybe in, you know, uh, of childbearing age <laughs> in plane. <laughs> In plain years. In plain years, yeah. Just, you know, got lots of life left in it. A little <laughs> 737 baby. Uh, 737s, I, I, for people who are trying to envision this but don't know what it looks like, a 737 is uh, the most common plane or the most popular plane uh, ever made. It is what the, like the 737 Max is the plane they had all those problems with. Uh, mm. But this is before that. So a 737 has one engine on each side, on each wing, and it's a single aisle. So three and three uh, seating configuration. So there are 131 people on board, which means the plane is essentially completely full. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, there's a empty seat here and empty seat there, but it's pretty packed. 
Um, there are two pilots and two flight attendants for this two-hour flight to a beautiful place. Everybody's excited. Yeah. Uh, but they're getting less excited because uh, there's a delay <laughs> and everybody is sitting at the Bogota airport waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the plane to arrive from mm. Cali, uh, Colombia. So finally the plane gets there and finally everybody loads up, everybody gets on the plane and uh, when the plane actually takes off, it's a couple minutes after midnight. So everybody's kind of beat after a four hour delay, you know. Uh, maybe a little crabby, but maybe a little excited now that the plane is taken off. Uh, in those intervening hours, uh, the weather has started to uh, get a little rough. Uh, as they take off and start to head there, uh, the closer they get to uh, San Andreas, the worse the weather gets. Um, as they're approaching the uh, they start to enter a storm. So if you're up in the clouds, your experience of the weather can be pretty different, right? Mm -hmm. So as they're flying through the clouds, which is very uncomfortable, right? Anytime we've had turbulence, that's probably been why, right? Because you're bumping over um, all of those clouds very literally you're like a rock skipping over water, right? You're you're kind of bumping along uh, through that, difficult turbulent air and the as they get closer and closer the weather becomes more and more turbulent and they start to see lightning flashes out of their windows so the storm they've entered isn't necessarily producing a lot of precipitation uh, but it's electrically charged so they can see the lightning out of their window passengers can see it it's really bumpy it's it's scary right it's the middle of the night um they were by the time they left everyone should have been you know in their hotels asleep or whatever on the beach or whatever they were going to do that night right so as they're flying through the weather is deteriorating more and more and more and uh san andreas again is an island so uh islands are how can I say? So islands are surrounded by water. Don't know if you know this about <laughs> islands. <laughs> surrounded by water. And uh, that means that the uh, lights of the island, right, are what set them apart from the water all around them. Uh, the weather, again, is terrible. One of the things I actually looked up for this flight is what kind of moon was out this night. And it was a quarter moon. So there's very little moonlight, even on a clear night. Uh, but there's even less light tonight because obviously they're there's cloud cover separating them so it's just very very dark and the water below them is very very dark it's just like a black dark sky except for you know flashes of lightning so it's it's spooky it's scary right it's uncomfortable as they bump along but it's only a two-hour flight it's only a two-hour flight Mm. so as they get closer and the weather gets worse and worse they start to hit precipitation where there's heavy heavy rainfall so now the plane is getting just pelted by by big drops of water so the they keep getting closer closer weather gets worse and worse and worse it's dark it's it's uh, approaching two o'clock in the morning so at about 140 they start to talk to air traffic control air traffic control has them you know start to descend uh, they as they're descending 
they're uh, still getting worse and worse and worse weather. Uh, flying at altitude, the weather is usually much clearer, right? And then as you descend, you're hitting more and more of that precipitation and more and more uh, clouds. So as they're approaching, um, the airport, San Andreas Airport, besides being an island and besides being, you know, dark, cloudy, stormy, scary night, um, it's also a, a relatively small airport in a relatively poor country, right? So there's not all of the things that uh, pilots might have at their disposal at other airports. So one of the things is the airport doesn't have a Doppler radar, and even in this severe weather, as they're approaching, uh, air traffic control starts to let them know that the visibility is deteriorating. There's, you're less and less able to see in front of you. The, um, you can't see as far ahead as you'd like to. The visibility um, on the ground of the terrain is becoming less and less visible. But he has to clear them for a VOR approach. And tonight is not the night where I'm going to explain that in detail. But okay. what's important for this story about a VOR approach is that the, or VOR approach, whatever you want to call it, uh, is that the uh, plane is not going to be able to communicate with the airport to control your glide slope or your glide path, meaning that the pilots on board are going to have to keep track of their own altitude and rate of descent, which mm -hmm. is neutral, right? Pilots do that all the time. Um, but it just means that instead of the plane being able to tell you whether or not you're on the right glide path, and if you picture in your mind what the glide path is, it's basically literally the path that the plane will guide along to successfully arrive at the runway, at the right speed, at the right moment. So if you think about um, all of the different angles, like a, a plane really has to hit at just the right speed, at just the right spot on the runway in order to have a comfortable, successful landing. Uh, so sometimes, the depending on what instruments and what technology the pilots have at their disposal, um, there might be additional tools available to them uh, to facilitate that process mm. in this case they're gonna have to do all of that manually which again these are professionals these gentlemen uh <laughs> their names that i realized i didn't say are uh wilson captain wilson is 43 and our boy camillo is 25 the first officer oh and because, wow yeah a little baby little yeah. baby yeah literally two young to even date <laughs> right just a little yes. sweet baby boy so um, just old enough to rent a car just old enough to rent a that's crazy yeah. that's crazy yeah. yeah barely old enough to rent a car right so uh because the weather is so severe uh captain wilson is flying the plane uh the air traffic control as they approach lets them know the visibility is low and the um precipitation is getting more and more severe and clears them for a VOR approach. Uh, that means that the first officer is going to start to communicate things like altitude and uh, speed and rate of descent, right? But as they're getting closer to the airport, and at, they, it comes into view, right? They can see the airport now. And the pilot flying, the captain, turns off the autopilot right? And starts to fly manually so that he can manually land the plane. Hmm. 
as they're approaching because the weather is so so bad and because visibility is so poor and they're doing this visual approach um the they start talking about what they'll do if they have to go around right so pilots i know we've talked about this before but uh if you're a pilot and you're flying a plane and this just isn't going to be your landing, right? You're either coming too fast, too slow. Your rate of descent isn't good. If things are just off, what they want you to do is just abort the landing, right? So, uh, or go around because that's literally what you do, right? So if you mm-hmm. go around as you're approaching, you say nope, and then you speed up and take off again without touching down and uh, fly in a circle and try again, right? So... They are talking between the two of them, preparing for the possibility of a missed approach because they know what a tricky landing this is going to be. As they uh, discuss that, get closer, the visibility has dropped to 4,000 meters. And for reference, uh, that means, this is some of the math they did, Uh, 4,000 meters means that they have, from when they see something, to when they actually get there is about 40 seconds right so it's it's decent visibility as far as just seeing from point a to point b it's not great it's not great but it is decent and if somebody knows that i did that math wrong let me know (laughs) so (laughs) uh they start to descend and they get down below 500 feet, right? So they're real close and they're lined up with the runway. They're getting ready to land. And all of a sudden, the uh, Camillo, the first officer, starts screaming, like, go around, go around, go around. The pilot tries to go around. He starts to lift the nose and, and ramp up the engines, but it's too late and the plane slams into the ground. Oh. 80 meters from the runway, 80 meters from the runway, it slams into the ground, breaks up into three pieces, the nose, so the the part where the pilots are, and the first eight rows of seats spins and skids down the runway, actually makes it all the way to the runway and skids down the runway. The right wing and right engine fuck off into nowhere, and the two other, the the center section of the plane rips off and the tail. So the plane just breaks apart. No one was expecting that, obviously, but God bless them. The crews uh, on the ground at San Andreas were there like that. There was a fire uh, and they were able to put it out immediately uh, before it spread. As everybody like gathered around the the safety crews, everybody um, like got in there as quickly as they could. And of the 131 people on board, only two died. Wow. The plane shattered. Like if you have time to look it up, the plane just broke apart into huge chunks. Uh, It was incredibly unexpected. The crew the cabin crew had no idea that something was wrong there was no announcement or anything like that so people Mm. weren't in the brace position but they were buckled in uh when people talk about like i've heard people make the joke like oh is a seatbelt really gonna help me if there's a plane crash yeah but yeah it is yeah right yeah almost certainly so uh two people died uh, one mm. of them was an older lady who actually had a heart attack as a result. Uh, like Whoa. there, yeah. I and mean, that's so scary. Like so scary. Oof. 
so scary and so unexpected right yeah. just the sudden just you, you think you're landing it's a normal landing and then all of a sudden instead your your plane is snapping apart all these pieces um and the other person uh who died was a a young girl it didn't give the age but um everybody else survived um but almost everybody on board was injured you can Mm. imagine how yeah just the physical trauma of that would be so extreme uh the landing gear i didn't say the landing gear when they landed kind of ripped off the bottom so they landed on their belly and that's part of what facilitated the plane snapping apart and all those pieces at first people were extremely confused by the crash so there were a lot of different factors right people could tell the the weather was terrible but by the time they actually got to the runway directly over the runway there wasn't precipitation at that moment if that makes sense so right. directly over the runway it had been raining and the runway was uh was wet right so the whole runway was wet uh the there'd been so much electricity one of the thoughts was like did the plane get struck by lightning and the captain actually said uh his first instinct what he said when he was first getting rescued was that he thought they'd been struck by lightning wow yeah the uh they explored that um they explored uh different ideas if there was a downdraft so again there was no doppler radar or way of of measuring wind shear which is uh just a very again i'll I'll try to spare some some of the details for another time but um wind shear would be like a very very dangerous um kind of layer of wind going in a different direction from all the other wind which obviously would be is, is terrible to hit when you're flying through it um the it's, it's it's because the airport doesn't have the technology to measure that. They knew that one of the possibilities was that there was something like a downdraft, just a pocket of air that had pushed the plane down at the last second, um, which has happened before, unfortunately. It's worth saying that that is very unusual, and it's very unusual um, for a plane to actually crash due to getting hit by lightning. Planes do get hit by lightning. Um, yeah, I was going to say. I feel like that's, that's normal. Yeah, I mean, not it's normal de- like all the time, but yeah, it's it's not. It's definitely one of the things that happens, and it can be a problem. But it's extremely unusual for nothing. A plane hasn't suffered this catastrophic loss because of a lightning strike in in our lifetimes. I mean, it's yeah. been a long time. Okay. So as they investigate, something that really stood out to me is that the um, Colombian investigators the C- wait, ctsb no i know it's not that but the, <laughs> their aviation authority um was like really 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 quick to hmm. say that the pilots are great like these are great guys like they wow. were super fast to be like um it could be all these other things you know they they really 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 not only didn't gravitate toward pilot error but they made a point of trying to um i don't know like spare the pilots the uh public embarrassment or something like spare them the uh suspicion i don't know they just they were really like on the pilot side which is really nice (laughs) right you know Um, different yeah very different 
very different. The um, person who was heading up the Colombian investigation uh, made a point of just saying, you know, the weather was really terrible. Visibility was terrible. Um, it's, you know, the, the circumstances of this flight were very stressful. And, you know, we're going to explore all of the possibilities. Um, it took about a year to do the investigation. And at the end of the investigation, in a way, it was pilot error. Oh, my God. So if we go back and remember that the captain was flying, which is very, frankly, good of him because it was a stressful, you know, landing. And so he was in control of the plane, uh, even though first officers do most of the landings. Uh, he was lined up for the runway. They were planning their descent and they were planning the idea that they might have to do a go around. But as they got close, the first officer started to call out that they needed to do a go around and the captain tried to. Right. Mm. Um, but it was too late by the time he started to try to uh, go back around. So there's something called the black hole illusion. So the black hole illusion is uh, if you're flying and it's nighttime in the dark and there's what's called a low contrast runway, meaning that the if you're looking down on everything, uh, the runway, the dark part of the runway doesn't look different from the dark part of the surrounding terrain, right? right. Mm-hmm. But the runway is brightly lit. And in this case, the runway was wet. So there was all of the reflection off the lights, off the runway, right? Right. So the runway itself is super reflective, brightly lit, but dark. And all around it, the terrain is totally black. Because as we know, most of the time in most places in the world, the area right around a... um, airport mm-hmm. is uh like fields you know or, or mount you know it's usually there's there's not often a lot really close to the airport right, right. a lot of times it's outside of on the outskirts of town mm-hmm. so in this case the area around the runway was um not lit at all it was just like a black sea not literally the sea which it could have been but just yeah. you know a just blackness of you know the earth and so what that does when you're flying uh and trying to land is it tricks your eyes into believing that you're higher than you are so something about that reflective brightly lit patch of runway against that black background something about that tricks your eyes and um, creates the illusion that you're up higher than you really are. So as the captain was landing and doing this visual approach, you know, doing manually flying the plane, uh, he had that black hole illusion. He was seeing it and believed that he was higher than he really was. The co-pilot, for whatever reason, just because human brains are crazy, uh, he realized that they were uh, lower, as low as they actually were. So he tried to warn the captain. Something that I don't totally understand is um, it seems like 
I don't, I mean, I'm not the investigator and I'm not a pilot. It, my understanding is that the first officer or whatever pilot is monitoring, the pilot who's not flying the plane, would normally be calling out altitude um, so yeah. that, and, and helping the pilot who's flying stay on the correct um, glide path. Uh, I don't know. I guess what stands out to me, I think in the U.S. today, I think they would have said that, you know, both it was, you know, pilot error for both pilots. And I could be totally wrong. And I obviously welcome any pilots with more um, insight into this. But the the investigators in Colombia were incredibly eager to not pin it on the pilots basically yeah they said that when they gave their um when they gave their findings right and said like okay so what it seems like is this was an example of the black hole illusion and so the pilot flying believed that he was on the correct glides glide path but really he was uh, much lower than he needed to be which is why it was so close right because if you imagine how subtle it is it's not some huge illusion where you have no idea where you are Mm -hmm. I mean he was pretty close to the correct glide path he touched down 80 meters from where he wanted to um, but that subtle difference made the difference in this case yeah. But the uh, Colombian officials like made a point of saying that this isn't about blame. It's about making sure these things don't happen again. And oh they you know, said that, yeah, right. They said that they just wanted, uh, you know, pilots to have better training for this. Like they were just super like, don't blame them. It was a hard flight. These are <laughs> like, our people. A, right. These are our people. <laughs> and this was a bad day. And it's not about blame. It's about making sure it doesn't happen again. Right. So, um, yeah that is that's the story wow yeah god that must have been so terrifying though just because that's like it's like when you hit your head Mm. and you don't know you know and like Mm -hmm. you just hit it so hard Mm -hmm. and just like totally yeah that's crazy it makes me i guess a couple different things come to mind like one is a visual illusion is really such a powerful thing mm-hmm. because you you are seeing it the way you're seeing it, yeah. right? Your brain yep. is interpreting that data that way. And so one of the things that I wonder is when the co-pilot called, like, you know, shouted out, like, go around, go around. I wonder if he, if it, like broke the illusion or if he was just trying to go around because he was deferring to the co-pilot if he was just like whoa okay like yeah like i don't i'm gonna ask questions later and try to do this right now yeah um or if in that instant if that like shifted you know something in his brain or in his visual his like spatial awareness and if he realized it but no matter what well no i mean when he landed he thought they had been struck by lightning that was what he the the captain wilson thought had happened which again speaks to how we're gonna have to do a lot of stories where the pilots lose spatial awareness oh yeah and they make me extremely sad yeah and they're very scary to think about and i guess the thing that i think it's hard to understand if you haven't had an experience like that before yeah um like even in a car accident or something like that where you 
you really don't know if you're like upside down or right side up. You don't know yeah, yeah. where you are. And then, and there's, you know, really terrible big versions of that. And then there's much more minor versions of this. And, and I guess this is an example in its way of because of the way his brain was interpreting the data yeah. that he was taking in, he believed spatially that he was much higher than he actually was. Right. And it was such a stressful flight. Like, I just think about how, like, you have to sit at the airport for four extra hours and everybody's right. crabby. Oh and they have to drive for a drive <laughs> to fly for hours in, like, terrible weather and yeah. lightning everywhere. And it just, it seems like your your nerves will be raw. I don't know. Right. Already. And then going into that situation. Because also, right. like, I mean there's a reason that we're all kind of obsessed with these optical optical illusions right mm-hmm. like it is it it is a real thing and it does happen and you don't really have control over it you know like you right. and i could look at the same optical illusion and see two totally different things yeah and it's yeah. literally nothing that we're doing right and yeah so well, that's like difficult if you like think about those optical illusions a lot of times part of what creates the illusion is your focus Right. So you're focusing intently. And this is, you know, a professional pilot who is, you know, focusing intently on what he's doing. Um, And that probably, I imagine, increases the illusion. So when they talk about training, you can't really, I don't know, maybe you can. I don't imagine you can necessarily train yourself to uh not see the illusion i think it's the same way as like how like increasing training to prevent something like the helios flight where they got hypoxia right mm-hmm. so when you're trying to train people to prepare for that what you're really trying to do is like really get your brain to think like oh i have to be more aware of my altitude right now because it's possible to have that illusion right now mm-hmm. or with right. hypoxia like if I start to feel confused, I need to immediately think, is the plane pressurized? Like I need my, I need to train my brain to go straight there. Yeah. And that's an incredibly difficult thing. And it's something that most people will never practice. Maybe with the black hole illusion, maybe that's something that pilots will have more opportunity to remind themselves of. Um, Because there is technology in the plane to prevent that, right? Like they know what their altitude is. Um, but still I, yeah, I, I, I would be interested in more details. I think it's, I will say incredible that more people didn't die. It's unbelievable that almost everyone survived. Yeah. 100%. I mean, especially like with the plane in three different places, like, yeah. And like God bless those firefighters, like the crew on the ground, they yeah. they had to get there so 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 quickly. Like they responded so quickly. You think two o'clock in the morning, and there was no mayday. There's no distress call. It's not like they knew that somebody, you know, something might be about to go wrong, yeah. and they were there on the scene fast enough to prevent any other loss of life, to prevent a fire from breaking out. I mean, it's amazing yeah yeah i know it truly is and what happened to um like were there any other serious injuries or everyone just kind of walked away there were um almost everybody was injured somewhat 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like almost everybody went to the hospital. Um, I think there were 11, I think there were 11 serious injuries. Um, okay. the girl who died. So the only person who died, um, that night was the older lady who had the heart attack. She died oh, right. in the ambulance. Um, the girl who died, I think died 16 days later. Oh, wow. Yeah. She had a severe head injury. Okay. So, um, she died later, um, uh, which is really, again, it's sad. It's always sad, right? Cause these are all people going on vacation. It's always sad. Right. I, I, I don't know if I should even say this, but like, I, I do find it. I'm always just really happy when the crew survives. I just yeah. am. Yeah. I just am happy when the crew survives. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause they're just at work and they're just trying to do their best. And yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So do, do you know if like, um, the pilots kept flying? Yeah. I looked for that. Um, I, the, so the thing is, is that this airline, Aries airline, um, doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So I definitely imagine that they would have had the opportunity to fly again because they weren't like sanctioned by the Colombian authorities. They weren't, um, you know, they didn't get in legal trouble for it. They weren't like there were no charges pressed against them or anything like that, which does happen sometimes depending on the circumstances. Um, so, but the airline itself collapsed, um, and is probably didn't help if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, it was bought by, I keep wanting to say Latam, but it might not have been Latam. It was bought by another, um, Colombian or another South American airline. So, mm. uh, that, I say that to say that, uh, obviously when an airline gets purchased by another airline, there's going to be some personnel movement. I'm mm-hmm. sure that I wouldn't imagine that the co-pilot would have had any barrier. I mean, even if he was supposed to be calling out altitude, I don't know why somebody tell me if you know, because I just didn't read anybody making that when I read the story and like, you know, like did my research, I was thinking, isn't the co-pilot supposed to be calling out altitude? But um, but I didn't see that commentary in what I read. So mm-hmm. if I'm just wrong about that and that's not necessary or that's not standard procedure or if it wasn't standard procedure on this airline or something, then that would explain it. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I just think I think I hate the feeling of being like betrayed by my own body. Like that's yes, such a deep yeah. betrayal. If yep. like your own brain, your own body, your own ears, your own eyes yep. kind of betray you in this way. And it's just such a sad example of that. Yeah. Right. And so like, just like, I don't know, like an honest mistake or something, you know, that just like has severe consequences. Right. And it's right. just like, literally he couldn't help it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say Mariah. They did not repair this plane. They, oh, thank God. They took Throw your advice. It out. They took your advice and they scrapped it. See, it, this, it is what we're, this is what we're talking about. Right. They said, nope, three pieces is three too many. We're yeah. not doing it. Goodbye. But they Never probably, again. if I had to guess, they probably took pieces of it um, and like tried to make a go of it. I think that's something oh, that's interesting is 
So when you talk about that idea that you were just like, no, scrap it. We're done. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's over for you playing. You get one life. Right. Um, it, it, I think that if they like total it, right. Like planes have insurance on them, right. These, they have insurance. So yeah. I assume that the insurance company would have to cover it, but making a new plane actually is like a hassle. It takes a long time to create a new airplane you know i don't know this and if any of you know the numbers on this i would love i would love them um Mm. but i think boeing they the number of planes they make in a year is in the like dozens to hundreds not like the thousands it's not like you're cranking out planes every single day and you know new ones are getting minted so once a plane exists and is flyable you know you just really want to keep that puppy flying right very very proud of them for throwing it out (laughs) good yes (laughs) they they are not there as an airline anymore to accept your pride but Uh, we'll 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 remember yeah maybe that's saying something (laughs) (laughs) we'll remember yes we will um we are doing our hangout friends yeah people who listen we are doing uh the hangout we've been talking about so june 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So June 5th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's a Saturday. Um, We're going to uh, hang out with Tim from FS Mania on YouTube and Aaron from Mini Air Crash Investigation. And we're going to watch the King Air video. It's going to be so good. Have you seen the King Air video? Nope. I'm intentionally going in blind. Exactly. It's going to be great. So we're going to just do it on Zoom. Um, We don't have like an email thing. What are they called? Email list? Uh, Like a newsletter. Yeah. We don't have. (laughs) Right. We don't have a newsletter. Maybe we should. um, Or at least have some kind of way of reaching all of you guys. Um, But we'll post it on Instagram. We'll post it on TikTok. Uh, We're going to do it. We're just going to do it on Zoom because... We don't want to overthink it. Um, It's probably going to be like, you know, just chill, super relaxed. We're going to watch. It will literally be watching a YouTube video with your friends. And one of your friends happens to be the guy who made the video. And like a literal expert. Yeah, he is. He is an expert. He really is an expert. Yeah. Um, And he knows like uh, because we we like to chat about plane crashes and it's a lot of yeah. fun <laughs> yeah so um we're like on the same wavelength like i Perfect. watched a video about a uh, certain plane crash that we're going to cover later and like the next day he was like oh have you heard of this plane crash and i was like oh it was just so oh uh, yeah. yeah yeah so get on that wavelength with us let's watch tv i'm so excited i think it'll be really really fun yeah i'm very excited yeah it's definitely free um we'll post the link on instagram um but if you email us then we will also send it to you live that day so Mm -hmm. uh and you know really all we're ever trying to do is get you to email us because we really like hearing from you so i wonder if at some point we're gonna start sounding like scammers like just email us (laughs) just email us it is it's an mlm i know i keep saying it but we're we're really running an mlm yep speaking of which all y'all you're on the team. Welcome to, you know, I can't say the names of any real ones in case we get in trouble. <laughs> the podcast MLM. The what podcast we want you to MLM. Do is tell your friends so your friends yep. can tell their friends. Uh, 
And then we... And by tomorrow, the entire earth will know. <laughs> yes, that's all we need. That's all we're asking for. It's very simple. Such a small thing. <laughs> but, so uh, email us at thepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram. Find us on TikTok. Yep. Uh, we really love hearing from you. And if you want to come on Saturday, June 5th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can tell us ahead of time so that we know when we can get excited. Um, make an extra bowl of popcorn for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it is just nice to know, right? Anytime. If you're hosting a party, it's nice to know who's coming, right? Yeah. So nice. let us know. But we'll also post uh, the link on Instagram on the day. So, yeah. Yeah. Side note about Eastern Standard Time, just really quick. Please. Eastern Daylight Time or whatever EDT. Do you, are you aware of this? No. I literally learned about this like last week. What is it? Apparently during daylight savings, like now, mm-hmm. spring and summer, mm-hmm. it's not Eastern Standard Time. It's Eastern Daylight Time, EDT. What? What? I have never heard of this before, but like yet last week was the first time I've heard of this. I had to Google it because yeah. I was like, why is everybody saying EDT? It's EST. Yeah. I'm very confused. Google it. It's a it's a thing, apparently. This whole time. And this whole time and currently we are in EDT time. Really? Yeah. I, I mean I refuse sense, to use but... it. <laughs> right. Not it's lower myself. Eastern Standard Time. I don't support daily savings time anyway, so no, God no. Play your game, no big time, no. But no, but I had no idea. I love learning. I got to learn something. Thank you. Yeah, of course, no problem. I should bring facts every day. Yes, (laughs) yes, do it. I'll bring. I'll bring a fact. I love that idea. I'm very supportive of the idea of you bringing a fact every time. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Perfect. Well, this is a very good fact. So apparently, 4 p.m. EDT, but I'm not. You know what it is. Yeah, we live in New EST York. EST doesn't exist right now. Uh, I miss it already. <laughs> Bring it back. Gosh, the sun just beats down till like ten o'clock at night. Eastern is it Eastern savings time? This is fascinating. I am so right, isn't it? It's this. crazy. And the thing is that I've literally never heard of it before. There was like, it gets crazy with the daylight savings time. When I I was in um, Morocco one year and the um it was like the year that they were going back and forth on whether or not to do daylight savings time mm-hmm. and but i had a, a flight right so because they didn't know whether or not they would they like were sometimes saying like okay we're gonna do it no we're not but oh because of that the flight time kept changing and so i kept getting emails like all the time from ryanair being like your flight time has been changed like please note this or oh, that no. and it was just so i just went to the airport super early <laughs> right right like i was like, just avoided everything yeah no so um but or like the um the like state line in indiana how yeah. it's like across the street is one hour and then the cross street is the next hour like right or it. is it arizona that doesn't do daylight savings time at all let's go yeah i'm in I full support somebody can tell me if i'm wrong but i believe that the um... how is that possible well, they just don't do it because I think that I might be wrong. Please correct me. I think that the like Navajo Nation does not participate in daylight savings time. Oh. And I think that the entire state of Arizona doesn't participate. Good. I'm not going to look it up now. I'm going to look it up yeah. after and find out whether I'm right or wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. 
So Gosh. does your country do daylight savings time? Yes, talk to us. Let us know. Oh yeah, that's like a side thing. I've had this thing I've been wanting to do. I've been wanting to like shout out. We don't okay, to be clear, we don't we can't see exactly where you're listening from, but we can see like the general area like either Mm -hmm. the country the state the county whatever is relevant in your nation and so some of these places are like very cool to me yeah (laughs) so there's somebody uh listening to us from prince edward island in canada no way yes and that is so cool to me i am so deeply fascinated by prince edward island it's so I don't know, like just a beautiful wasteland. Yeah. (laughs) I would, if you are the person who lives on Prince Edward Island, please message us because I want to have a chat and I want to see what your backyard looks like. So, I mean, I, you know, I love our Canadian listeners, but I've given up. We do. I've totally given up. You have not given up. You think they're going to email us. (laughs) I've given up. Don't give us. They'll email us. Canadians, we do want you to email us because we really want to get to know you. We love you des- desperately and desperately. deeply. Frantically, deeply. But you we love all of us. you. We'll get to the other countries, but today it's about Canada. <laughs> They're just like, God, these freaking Americans constantly obsessed. Probably. Probably. Those are the ones yeah, from BC. Maybe we are. That. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but we love you. We love yeah. you the way that like uh the only the way that only a sibling can, right? So Yes. Yeah. Perfection. Perfection. That's exactly it. <sighs> we'll get around to all the other fascinating places y'all are from but uh today yeah. we want to hear well we do want to hear from you don't get me wrong i don't care where you're from email right <laughs> <laughs> and tell your friends yep cool cool <sighs> well thanks that was a great story thank you i love you i love you so much we love you all yes all right talk to you soon talk bye to you soon bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. This week's episode is dedicated to the memory of my former station manager when I worked for Japan Airlines. Arian passed away very unexpectedly this week. My heart breaks for his family and everyone who cared about him. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. My love and prayers and deepest, deepest condolences go out to his family and all of us who cared about him. Thanks for listening.